0: This is Purple Radio On Demand. Welcome to the first episode of Chalkboard Ultra, a brand new podcast investigating some of the most interesting problems in all of mathematics. I'm Louis. And I'm Sam.
1: And I'm just really glad to actually get this started. It's been uh, it's been a long time in the waiting, hasn't it?
0: A few months, a few months. But, you know, we've uh, cooked up some ideas, discussed, debated, and we finally, on the other waves, are uh, delivering... The math to you. <laughs> delivering the math. I was going to say delivering the news, but we're, no, not, exa- not, we're news. not exactly purple radio news, are we? No,
1: we're not. No, we're not. Well, we are in association with the Mathematical Society in Durham. As I said, I'm Sam, I'm a third year math student here
0: at Durham. I'm Louis, I'm a third year math and statistics student. And uh, from that, I think you could tell we're going to approach these things on a different basis. Sam, more the physics and geometry, I think you said, whereas me, more of the statistics, of course. But whether you live with a calculator by the side of your bed every day, or you just haven't touched that calculator in years. Something like this is for you. Uh, we say it's a maths podcast, but it should be a podcast at the end of the day. It should be a conversation.
1: Yeah, it's a conversation between us two. We're trying to bring light to the kind of unseen areas of maths that are often slipped under the radar, or in our case, are hidden behind the chalkboard. Do you like that?
0: I think I do. <laughs> That's
1: good. Well, this podcast, we hope to bring on special guests some of the weeks who come from loads of different backgrounds. Some of them will just be our friends who have an interest in maths. Some of them will be, I suppose, lecturers, PhD students, who they've all come from different experiences. They have their own different experiences with maths. And we just want to know what they like doing, where their research is going, and if they can give us some insights into, again, areas of maths that even we don't know about.
0: Because, honestly, when doing these... Uh, discussions on Jawboard Ultra. There's just so much maths. There's so much There's math. just so much, to there's so much
1: math. But don't worry, uh, as we have already said, it's not going to be very, very math heavy. We just want to talk about the ideas and bring light to the subjects.
0: So uh, get yourself strapped in because we're going to start with our main topic for this episode. And it's probably a very interesting problem in probability, this being the infinite monkey theorem.
1: Okay, fabulous. Well, I've heard of the infinite monkey theorem. You mentioned it to me a while back. or well, the infinite monkey typewriter theorem, what, is there like a definite name for it?
0: Kind of. Let's just start from the beginning. Suppose there is an infinite number of monkeys which are each given a typewriter. That's probably where the confusion lies. Yeah, yeah. Each monkey, being a monkey, is oblivious to our language and grammar. So it will strike the keys of the typewriter randomly and independently. Now, as these keystrokes accumulate, a series of letters will emerge, some more meaningful than others. What the infinite monkey theorem says is that within an infinite universe, there exists an infinitesimally small, but certain chance that our monkeys strike the right set of keys to produce a coherent text. That's that, all it
1: is. That's a, that's a lot of information. You have infinite number of monkeys sat at an infinite number of typewriters at these infinite desks.
0: Ideally, um, one typewriter to one monkey. Well,
1: yeah, well, sure. And they're just striking the keys absolutely randomly. And they're doing that for an infinitely long time.
0: Yes. Uh, infinity is one of those areas in maths that we like to discuss and we don't like to
1: discuss. Oh, We don't like talking about infinity because it's very weird and wacky. There'll be some pure mathematicians. They love talking about infinity and they hate it when people get it wrong. My understanding is that it just... I know that there's different types of infinity. This is a whole other episode.
0: Oh, yeah. We'll
1: We'll, we'll get to, it oh, soon. We get to um, that. But what I was asking was that, given this infinite amount of time, they will be able to type out anything we ask them.
0: We should view it where the monkeys just can't be stopped. That's the best way of saying it, that they'll just type away as much as they can, and then when they die, there'll be another set of monkeys to type away. To replace them. Exactly. That's the... That's horrible. That, that's It's a thought experiment. That's it, It's not in my thoughts. Look, infinity is a fascinating topic but it's a rabbit hole that we're not going to go into in this podcast
1: those rabbits do they have time writers as well shush (laughs) well in this experiment this thought experiment we're thinking of monkeys you know randomly striking the keys how can we
0: show that there is that randomness there well randomness refers to the absence of predictability and the absence of patterns Mm -hmm. so under our thought experiment the keystrokes for our monkeys would be considered to be made without any conscious choice
1: definitely random then because if it was and the other way around and these monkeys were holding us hostage and we were sat at the typewriters because we i don't know we're a little bit biased we could type something that's actually coherent is that right
0: yeah precisely and of course twinned with the randomness is the idea of independence
1: okay i know that one that's that no strike on the keys affects the next one so if i type an s it know, i could type an s again but there's the equal chance of typing anything else on the keyboard.
0: Perfect. Right. Now, this builds the foundations of the thought experiment. Now, let's try to make it a bit simpler for our goal. Suppose we wish to spell the word ultra.
1: Okay, I can do that one. That's U, L. No no, no, no,
0: no, no, no. The monkeys, Sam. We want the monkeys to spell <laughs> ultra.
1: I got a bit excited. Apologies. I'm not doing it. The monkeys are doing it. So, argument's sake, let's say they've just got 50 keys in front of them. The probability that our monkey hits the letter U, which is the first one, is one out of 50,
0: right? Yeah, and so for the full word, ultra, it'll be one over 50, times by one over 50, times by one over 50, times by one that over 50, times by one over 50. Five Or about one over 300 million. Now that's very small, but it's not zero. And it's the idea of the
1: probability being not zero that is important, because even though it's in small, very small, having an infinite amount of monkeys might just do the trick. Well, my only issue, we've only considered the first five letters. The first five letters being the U-L-T-R-A. Surely for a coherent text, we could have those letters appearing at any point in the the sequence.
0: Yeah, sure. And that's why we use the idea of independence. The probability of the phrase ultra occurring in the first, uh, let's say, N blocks of five letters, Mm that would be roughly 1 over 300 million, all raised to the power of N. But for any arbitrary N that's
1: a ridiculously small number. So how are we certain that it can actually even appear?
0: Well, what we've got to do is we've got to look at it from the other direction. What about the probability of not typing ultra? Well, we know that in any scenario, probabilities will add up to one. So the probability of not typing ultra will be one minus one over 300 billion. And of course, by independence, we can raise that all to the power of n, and that's what uh, the probability of not typing ultra will be in the first n blocks of five letters. And this is when we use
1: limits, right? See, I I remember probability 1. For those unfamiliar, we have to see what happens when we attempt to take n to infinity. Because we can't actually evaluate this sum or this quantity at infinity. But we can go arbitrarily close to a very, very large
0: number. As n gets bigger and bigger, the probability of not typing ultra will get smaller and smaller. In fact, it approaches 0. If the probability of not typing ultra
1: approaches 0, then given an infinite amount of strokes of our typewriting monkeys, it has to be that the probability of typing ultra approaches one,
0: and that is certainty. And that's all it is. If we know that with an infinite amount of time, our monkeys will eventually spell the word ultra, or chalkboard, or chalkboard ultra, there is nothing stopping us from saying that they could also type out the entire works of Shakespeare, or the script for this podcast.
1: Well, I know which one I'd for reading. Yeah, it sounds fascinating, Louie. But at the end of the day,
0: it's impossible, right? It, it, it's a thought experiment. It's impossible. Look, I understand what you mean. And I think that's why we're going to draw the line between what is possible and what is probable.
1: Well, well exactly. Because we don't live in an infinite universe. We don't perceive that. Surely we'll never be able to actually see these monkey-written texts. I mean, mm-hmm. g- given our finite lives... You know, it's inevitable that our typewriters are going to break. And not to mention the monkeys themselves will break down for so much typing. And it's just the inevitable heat death of the universe. The ability to justify this
0: is, a, is impossible. Look, dr- look, look, Sam, it's just a podcast. Just, don't worry. I agree. However much it seems that, you know, with our lifespan, and the universal lifespan, it's never going to happen. Probability dictates that it could and in fact must happen at some point. That just, that actually makes me think of that
1: Sherlock quote. What is it? When you have, when you've eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, that must be the truth.
0: Yes, as much as I like Sherlock Holmes, I doubt our monkeys will be able to reproduce one of Doyle's texts in time for me to enjoy it. No,
1: probably not. But you want to talk about what's probable. Has this actually been done in
0: practice? Yes. Yes, it has. In 2002, there was a study conducted by lecturers and students at Plymouth University, and what they did was they left a computer keyboard in the enclosure of a bunch of monkeys in a local zoo. What happened there? Well, they actually managed to type something. Coherent? No. Of course it wasn't. (laughs) Of course it wasn't. Apparently, after four weeks, they typed out a bunch of S's and defecated all over the keyboard. I'm not surprised in the slightest. One of the researchers, a man named Mike Phillips, pointed out that the monkeys... They're not randomly generated. They were quite interested in what was on the screen, they typed a letter, something happened. So what we could argue is that the actual conditions of the infinite monkey theorem weren't satisfied. It lacked randomness, it lacked independence.
1: You, What we need is a monkey then with randomness and independence just embedded inside it.
0: Yes. Now this is what brings up the idea of a computerised monkey. You mean a robot monkey? not exactly this is the idea of using a computer program to generate random strings of letters that we hope will end up in a coherent text
1: no oh, it makes a bit more sense because we, we, we don't need monkeys per se
0: it's just part of the experiment it's just something that will generate random letters so we do have an example of this it's a website called the monkey shakespeare simulator and they've simulated a large population of monkeys typing randomly really? and has that come to anything well after almost 2.8 million million billion 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 monkey years it managed to spit out a partial line from henry the fourth ah finally incredible
1: but what's a monkey year what do you mean by million million billion billion
0: monkey years look we've already had one existential crisis on this podcast we can't have another no, <laughs> no, can't, 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 Okay, understand. It is important to know, though, that due to computer limitations, the program used a probabilistic model instead of actually generating a random text and comparing it to Shakespeare. So bear that so in mind.
1: So there's even more probability behind it that I don't want to know about.
0: <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> it is quite incomprehensible, all these strings of letters. I mean, where would anyone put them all? Is something. Have you heard of the Library of Babel? It rings a bell. It's a book, is it not?
1: Yeah, I think it's written by It's Borgs. Yeah, George Louis Borgs. And it just conceives of this universe that is a vast network of interconnected hexagonal rooms. So you've got one wall holding the entrance, another one holding the bare necessities to life, so food and water and all
0: that. But the other four walls are just books, and these books are... Uh, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. Interconnected hexagonal rooms? Surely this is just the Trev's universe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what makes no, it different? No, tr- well, unlike Trev's, our library... It holds books with every conceivable ordering of basic characters. Right? Mm. Imagine that. Every every piece of text ever imaginable is there. Yeah, th- I think the majority of this library is just books containing pure gibberish. It's unintelligible to anyone. But somewhere, somewhere there must be every single coherent text ever written or that ever can be written
0: so similarly with our infinite monkeys amongst the the gobbledygook must be a coherent text is that what you say?
1: Uh, yeah I, su- I suppose so it, yeah so it would all be there in the library it doesn't matter what the monkeys type it doesn't matter if it's shakespeare or not
0: anything that could be typed would be there it's
1: in right. it's in our library yeah yeah and this book has actually had a fair deal of influence i think it was someone called jonathan Bazile. he designed this algorithm to simulate the library of Babel because the, the Babel was a book And here the library is divided into a number of different digital hexagons, each of four walls. It tried to stay true with
0: it. Was that algorithm equivalent to what we saw with the monkey Shakespeare simulator, where that was just a probabilistic distribution?
1: No, in this case, it's actually generated. So a book Hmm. was generated in the library. You would type in whatever you wanted. You would type in the piece of text And I think it's gone through every single variation of 29 characters.
0: So 29, that's probably 26 English letters, a space, a comma, and a full stop?
1: Yeah, that's the one. So yeah, as I said, each book is identified by, it's called a coordinate, but that just corresponds to its location in this big digital hexagon.
0: So if we type anything on the website, even part of this podcast, we should get a book with that text in return, is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, I I think the key thing to take from this is what the true implications of randomness is. You know, how can we go from a state of grotesque chaos to something seemingly so orderly? Let's recall what we actually said when we tried to type out that word, ultra.
1: This is just a recap, isn't it? We said that randomness is, you said it's the absence of predictability. So all patterns just go out the window. Our monkey keystrokes must be without conscious choice. So there's no elements of bias there. Because as I said we if we use humans that adds an element of bias because we can understand what we're typing and we might actually subconsciously we might actually just try and type something coherent
0: okay so let's try to change up our experiment here the monkey will type out five characters at random now for simplicity let's just say 26 letters and a space okay. let's do they're going to type the word or hope we're going to type the word ultra
1: okay well this just gives it 27 possible combinations because you've got your 26 letters and a space the number of possible combinations is just 27 to the power of five that's about 14 million that is not likely to happen on our first attempt whatsoever
0: okay so what if i told you that in the initial random five character string what happens is it produces 100 offsprings this is a very uh very strange abstract i know it's abstract but Welcome to about Ultra, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it produces 100 offsprings, identical, barring a 5% chance that one of the characters of the string mutates.
1: Okay, so what? It, it starts off with some string. I don't know, let's say A, B, C, D, E. Mm-hmm. And then that creates, for argument's sake, we'll just say 100 copies of itself, but 5% of those copies, one character in the string has gone awry. So like it would turn to ABCDF or ZBCDE, something like that.
0: Yeah, the, the key thing here is that this protest will continue. Offsprings being produced and then it will continue to a point where eventually, just like with our infant monkeys, we will land on that phrase, ultra.
1: But surely that's just going to take as long as typing it out randomly, no? What we'd have to do is we'd we'd have to keep track of whether a mutated character is getting anywhere
0: close closer. yeah yeah
1: okay so we should we keep track of that how do we do that
0: well what we could do is we can assign a score to the first 100 offsprings and that signifies the correct number of characters that have been produced from our initial string
1: right so we're we're trying to make ultra if you start with a b c d e that's got no letters in common mm.
0: score May- of zero
1: yeah okay maybe if you do something like We'll just do five A's in a row. A, 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 A as your starting string. Because Ultra ends in an A. Yeah. You've got one character that's correct and in the right position. It's a bit like Wordle. Maybe. So we'd give that a score of, what, one? Because it's got one thing in the right place?
0: Yeah, yeah. And so what we do is we choose to follow the progression of the string that had the highest score to see how many generations it would take to achieve that word ultra
1: well again that's just going to take a long time i don't think we, we can't do that by
0: hand surely yeah, yeah so i attempted to code this in r and i generated a of random Of course you'd use r well, i like r it's, quite it's, a, nice.
1: it's a, that's the it's the statistics coding program you will do anything to stay away from python i just quite like r <laughs>
0: fair enough so what did was like, i generated a random file letter string 26 letters mm-hmm. and space ensuring that there was a hundred offsprings with a five percent chance of a random mutation okay where did that take you well after doing it for about a few hundred times on the same five letter string it had about 16 generations on average to achieve ultra not bad
1: so that, that is so many there's a hundred times... was that 100 times 16 there's a hundred to the power of 16 different things
0: isn't it, it, the more the merrier to get the general <laughs> general like see what the distribution so was
1: Roughly sixteen. And what if you tried it with a different string? So did you start with A A A A A?
0: Oh well, I did it randomly. I didn't want to. I didn't want to tempt fate. I just went, all right. I'll uh, you just do just give me something. And yeah, different strings gave sort of the same thing. So it suggests there's probably a relationship uh, between wow. all these different factors.
1: Oh, I like that. So it doesn't matter the start how you started this five letter string. It always takes about sixteen generations to do it. But okay, well that's only five letter string. You know, you could tweak the length of the string. You could do. You could change so many of the conditions. You could actually change the probability of mutation because you just gave five percent as a bit of an arbitrary. It thing. could have been ten. It could have been twenty. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and again, the number of offsprings, strings and offstrings, offsprings. Well,
0: oh, off- off-springs, off-springs, offsprings. There's too many strings in this podcast. Sorry.
1: Well, well, all of that will affect the generations, surely.
0: Yeah, yeah. So this part of the podcast was based on something called the Weasel Program, and it was uh, described by Richard Dawkins in his book, The Blind Watchmaker.
1: Sorry, you say weasel. Do you have typewriters as well?
0: Not everything has a typewriter. <laughs> all right? Not everything has I a typewriter. I think it would be
1: so much easier because what if we don't have an infinite number of monkeys? We can replace all the lost ones with an infinite number of weasels. Well, what, what happens when the weasels die? <sighs> don't even. You're going to send me on another spiral. This is horrible. Okay, carry on. What are you saying?
0: So instead of Ultra, Dawkins wanted the program to spit out the phrase, methinks it is like a weasel, which is, of course, a line from oh, Hamlet, Hamlet. Hamlet, yeah. 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 Uh, Now, the program helps to demonstrate how complex systems could emerge from seemingly random incremental changes. And what this does is this mirrors the process of evolution by natural selection. I
1: love that. Using mathematics to describe something in biology. That is so nice. But so with our random string of letters, then, when we follow, this will be survival of the fittest. It's like the fittest offsprings. We'll get something that matches our target.
0: Yeah, of course, the program, of course, is going to follow the fittest via proximity to the target, the target, mm-hmm. of course, being Ultra. Now, evolution, though, doesn't really have a long-term goal or target. So just like with the Infinite Monkeys, think of the Weasel program as just like a thought experiment to help explain the world around us. That, that is a
1: nice thought, though, that there's no goal to evolution. So there, there's no scoring elements. Yeah, yeah. The... I mean,
0: you did say survival of the fittest, but it, uh, t- t- technically... Uh, isn't uh it's more of a misunderstanding of what evolution is
1: oh uh, well again you said it's just a thought experiment it's not meant to actually be something
0: well if you want to code it in rsam go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna do that uh, i haven't touched python in ages
1: actually I, I don't even know if i could do it then it slithered away well after a lot of monkey business rabbit business weasel business whatever kind of business we're finally at the end
0: Crazy. thank you for listening to this first episode
1: of we hope you found it as enlightening as we did. Yeah. Join us next time as we delve deeper into the wonders of maths. Oh, oh, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram. We have an Instagram page, don't we? Yeah, I think we do. We do. At chalkboard Ultra. No punctuation, no capitals, no, no physics. <laughs> uh, excuse me. No. Yeah, just at <laughs> Chalkboard Ultra. You can follow us there for live updates on when we're in the studio when we're recording episodes and some sneak peeks at some of the special guests we might be having on in, in future episodes. Great.
0: That sounds pretty good. Think, that?
1: Sounds yeah. wonderful. Well, yeah, again, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Keep safe. Keep well.
0: <laughs> what were you going to say? I was going to say, should we do something like the end of the podcast? Like as a jokey yeah. thing, but I don't know now. Well,
1: we will do. But you brought up a great point, which was um, probably a mistake in my maths. Was it when we're talking about the offspring maths, and the... As your maths? No. Did you ever remember my maths? My maths? Yeah, my maths. Oh, was that the, yeah. the computer thing? It was a thing. I can't remember what exactly what... My maths. That was some... That that's a blast from the past. Okay, no, it was something to do with the 5%, where I said, like, the offspring has a 5% chance of changing or mutating. And I said, so out of the 100, that means that 5% of those will be...
0: I don't think it would be like that, because, of course, that means there's a 95% chance of it not changing when we're going to look at it the other way. So it's more likely than not that they'll all be the same, which probably means that 5% of them won't be different.
1: No, I... This, okay, this is a little bit where we disagree. No, no, this like, is randomness.
0: We'll we it even the statistics podcast.
1: Le- no, no, we're rolling a dice, and that's got a one in six chance. You, are you trying to get a prop? One moment. One moment. Well, I'll explain this bit. <laughs> Louis is grabbing something from his bag. Is that? Is it? If it's dice, what? He actually has dice with him. Get get the headset back on. I want to hear about this. They're just dice, don't worry. They're just dice, okay. Now, with these dice, they've got a one in six chance of rolling a six, okay? So this is, this is what you expect. That's a five, by the way. That was a 5 don't You've Don't trust him. You've got, it's an audio thing. You've got a one in six chance of rolling a six, which means that if you roll it six times, you can expect one six, okay? Do you see where I'm going with this? In mm. your 100 offspring, there's a 5% chance that each of them mutate, which means that if you do... because
0: yeah. well, if, there's, if there's one of yeah. them... Yeah, the, 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 it's not... Okay, then it's not percent... Then you would expect that maybe five of them would be different. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's all expected. Not that there will be.
1: No, that, no, it is that there will be. Certainty. Because if on any one of the offspring, there's a 5% chance it will mutate... Then if you do that a hundred times, then you'll buy maths. Find that five <laughs> <by> maths.
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you.
1: You'll you'll find that five of them actually Proof do change. Maths. Proof. Okay, so let's do this. Let's roll it six times. You already rolled it once. That's a five.
0: I can see a, a chi squared test coming coming up in a moment. No, you can't. Okay, four, four, three, two, it's two one. <laughs> is it two one? Two, <laughs> two.
1: <laughs> four. And so this this one has to be. A six, right? Otherwise, math is just wrong. Oh, my. It was a three. I was going to try and pretend that that was the same.
0: <laughs> Why would you lie to our audience? Don't well, know, you know, well, I mean, this is the first one we don't have there's an there's audience. There's, yeah. well,
1: there's those types of lies, aren't there? There's, there's lies. Dan, Dan lies, lies and Sam. And statistics.
0: Sam statistics, some statistics. Don't try that. <laughs> don't try that.